Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena and good morning all of New Zealand. Uh, wonderful Monday morning after a fantastic weekend. Uh, we've got a really busy show between 9 and 12. Uh, very shortly talking to the Minister of Sport, Deputy Prime Minister, of course, the Honourable Grant Robertson. I'm at uh, bottom, a bit my bottom dollar. He's a very happy man uh, with what, what's been unfolding in Japan in particular. Uh, then uh, shortly before 10 o'clock, uh, we'll be talking to Carla Hohepa, who uh, is a black fern, former black, black fern, former Otago Spirit player as well. Uh, she knows so many of our Black Ferns so well, it'll be great to get her thoughts on that fantastic gold medal. Uh, Timmy Horan comes in after 10 o'clock, and then Bernadine Oliver Kirby will be part of the panel with Liam Napier, hopefully, uh, as we progress uh, through uh, towards uh, 10 o'clock. We'll have uh, a racing update, a TAB update, uh, a league update, uh, some athletics, and then uh, right at the end of the morning, I'm looking forward to talking to Kafina Woodman. Uh, Woodman, of course, uh, he's the father of uh, Portia Woodman. What a fantastic New Zealand athlete she has turned out to be. What a great career. So that's uh, a really busy Monday morning. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Uh, just say you started your weekend at 12 midday last Friday, and many Auckland suits do. And just say you like sport. Could it have been much better? Seven medals, three glorious golds, silver and three bronze, a veritable smorgasbord of Kiwi success, from rowing to sevens, tennis to trampolining, uh, to Dame Val. From newbies to veterans, there were indeed some beautiful sights. Sights to rekindle distant memories as well, like the men's rowing age. 49 years ago, yep, all but 50 years, Munich, 1972, and Earl's beaming face, I will never forget it. And now literally, it does seem that everything that the Bond man touches turns to gold, no matter what seat he tends to occupy. So this afternoon it starts again and it promises to be the Lisa and Laurel show. The Sea Forest Waterway has been a profitable stretch of water thus far. And the prospect of Lisa Carrington, the pride of Fokatani, powering away through four events, surely providing more bounty, is highly exciting. Furling and Chook sail for gold. Hamish Kerr leaps for glory. And in the early evening, and then it's time for Laurel Hubbard around 10.50pm tonight to take centre stage as if she hasn't already. I've racked my brains and I'm not sure I can recall a more maligned Kiwi athlete. There seems very little middle ground in discussions around the traps. 
The vast minority feel Laurel Hubbard is a winner already in flying a somewhat different flag, the trans variety, and with it the right for all to compete. The other school, the large ones, say no, it's not right. It's a disgrace. Even abhorrent, I've heard people say. It's certainly a motive. Will you be watching? Will you be cheering? Will you be celebrating? Remember this, though. Laurel Hubbard is a person, and she will be wearing the silver fern for us. Question is, will she be wearing it for you? It is 9.07 here on SENZ and I'm thrilled to be able to bring to the show uh, Prime Minister, uh, Deputy Prime Minister of course Grant Robertson but he's also uh, the Minister of Sport and I'd imagine uh, uh, the Honourable Grant Robertson that you're a very happy man this Monday morning as we begin another week and we look forward to some more success but as the Minister of Sport, um, you're the captain of the team, you must be thrilled with the medal haul so far. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, everybody. Yeah, huge, huge Olympics for New Zealand, and I'm really thrilled, you know, for the athletes and their and their support teams and their families. But I'm also really pleased for High Performance Sport New Zealand. You know, this is a massive, in this case, five-year-long campaign, uh, and and one that's really bearing fruit. And it's just been brilliant to feel the Olympic buzz around the, around the communities. Literally everywhere I've been in the last week and a bit, um, you know, people have been stopping to talk about the Olympics and that's got to be a good thing. Before we focus on the Olympics and what a great achievement it's been thus far, can I just take you back perhaps a month? I know you love your cricket. I know you went to the 2019 World Cup. I saw you uh, over there in the UK. It wasn't to be there. How much satisfaction did you take out of New Zealand being the World Test Champions? Oh, enormous! <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm the minister of sport, and it's an amazing role to have. But I'm also, as you're pointing out, a, a lifelong cricket tragic, and like a lot of, uh, you know, staunch New Zealand cricket fans, it hasn't always been easy. And and so to go through what we all did, and you very especially Smithy in, in 2019, and then to see this result, is it's just extraordinary. And I've written a little bit about it. I've had the privilege of spending a bit of time around the team over the last few years, and they are a remarkable bunch of, of men, um, incredibly well-led and well-managed, and created a team culture that makes me just about as proud as their, their performance on the field and uh, yeah spent a bit of time with the mace um, over the last week not too much but um, it was it was brilliant for the guys to feel the love from the New Zealand public you know even um, a couple of months on from the result the you know it hasn't diminished the enthusiasm they were greeted with and at Eden Park last week you know the queue went around the block to get in and, you know, all sorts of things about it made me pleased, one of which was just the whole face of New Zealand was there. It was this huge diversity of young and old and, and Pākehā and non-Pākehā, and it was just a magic, magic occasion for, for everyone involved. Yeah, I, I really do believe it's the best New Zealand cricket team we've produced. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be part of one way, way back in the 80s, but it seems such a long time ago. There's some wonderful individuals back there, but I think this is the most complete team that we've ever been able to put on the park so uh, I celebrate with them yeah, and I, 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 I know definitely agree with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that, Smithy, but I don't think you guys should underrate that 80s team. I mean, it's, you know, the the less professional environment and, and the way in which you guys were able to, to come through that. But I think across the park, I would agree with you. And, you know, just those times with the bowling attack where, you know, you this team wasn't relying on, on Chats and Sir Richard just alone. It was, you know, it was actually four or five bowlers who could take a wicket at any moment, uh, a top order that, that stepped up constantly. I mean, it's just, that's the thing, isn't it? Across the park, this is a team, but it's also the way they play for each other. You know, the loyalty they have to one another is, is something I think that's extraordinary. Okay, let's uh, get on to the Olympics, uh, Minister. And, and obviously, as I said, you are the captain of our sporting team, uh, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Uh I know it's pretty hard to show favouritism, but has is, is there been one of those medals thus far that's really touched you? <laughs> I thought you might ask me that, and it's such a hard question, isn't it? I'll pick two if it's okay with you. And I mean, they're all brilliant. So, you know, the rowers, just fantastic stuff from them. You know, the surprise in the triathlon with Hayden Wild, all of that's magnificent. But the two I can't really go past are the, are the sevens gold, which... For anyone who knows, again, that team and the remarkable culture they've built up, the adversity they've had to face coming back from, from that heartbreak in Rio. Um, I, I have to say the semi-final against Fiji would be probably the most stressed I've been watching a sporting event since since Lords in, in 2019. But brilliant, brilliant win there. But the one that really grabbed me was Val Adams yesterday. And it was a bronze. And you think, you know, why are we all getting so excited about a bronze? But again, you know, the length of time she's had on the world stage, the comeback that's happened, as you said, two kids. But, but beyond that, there have been other issues around her. Her, you know her ability to win or ability to, to achieve within the sport, and she's overcome it. And I just watched that yesterday afternoon, and watched her. You know, our greatest. I'm getting close to saying our greatest athlete and track and field athlete of all time, potentially. Just an incredible person and thrower and just watching the way in which you know she came back to win that medal and how happy she was about it and for her family so that's the one that's winning for now but you know there's more to come which is just even better from a from a broader New Zealand perspective. Yes sir they may may well even come this afternoon or go a long ways towards coming this afternoon and this evening Lisa Carrington of course in the water amongst others uh, we've got Burling and Chook sailing for gold uh, but I, I must touch on uh, the Laurel Hubbard thing because it has been uh, such a, I think, a controversial subject. Uh, tonight she actually gets to get, stand on that uh, weightlifting platform and, and have a go. Uh, you've been a, a champion for, I won't say so much for her, but for the right of people, whoever they are, to, to partake and try and get the best out of each other. So I, I would imagine you are quite pleased to see this day arrive from Laurel's point of view as well as that. Oh, for sure. You know, look, I think you just said it before in your in your in your sermon uh, that um, you know that she is a person. She's an athlete, and, and at one level, this I think the issues around here are both complex and also quite simple. The level at which it's simple is that Laurel Hubbard is a member of the New Zealand Olympic Olympic team who met the criteria to compete, and I will be supporting her and backing her wholeheartedly, just as I do every other member of the New Zealand Olympic team who've all worked hard and sacrificed huge amounts to get there. And in Laurel's case, obviously with the glare of, of the publicity, and she's a, a very private person uh, alongside all of this. So at that level, for me, it's quite simple. She's in the New Zealand 
one team, we support her, we back her, and I hope she, she gets on the podium. The complexity comes from, from the overall issue of how to set the rules to make sure that we include everybody, which we must, but we also create a level playing field. The International Weightlifting Federation set the rules, set the criteria based on the International Olympic Committee guidelines, and to me that's all there is to it for Laurel. In the future, as that evolves and more thought is given to how we you know, measure and create the, the rules, who knows what might happen. But for today and tonight, I just really hope New Zealand is back an athlete who's put a huge amount of effort in, is wearing the silver fern, and I think we can be really proud of. It's 9.14 here on SENZ. Uh, we're speaking to the Honourable Grant Robertson, of course. He's wearing his sports minister's hat very proudly at the moment. What do you say to people who, I mean, this is one of the most, it's been vitriolic at times, some of this debate, um, people, it runs deep. What do you say to those people who just can't get their head around it? Yeah, look, I just ask people to, to, to take a, an approach about the fact that, that the people involved here are all human beings. And, you know, I've got a philosophy on life, Smithy, that, you know, we should let people be who they are. It's the most, it's such an important thing for people to be able to express themselves and live their lives as who they are. It's the way in which we'll get the best out of everybody. And I don't think anything that Laurel's done or is doing um, can in any way justify that vitriolic reaction. And I've certainly heard it and seen it. Um, you know, there are rules set here. They are set by the International Weightlifting Federation. She's met those rules. She hasn't created them. She's come along and said, right, yep, I can do this and I can be a part of this competition. And so I just ask people to remember the person, remember the athlete, um, and try try to keep their thoughts and their comments you know, away from that. I mean, I was, I saw there was a protest in London, I think it was, of all places, about this. Yeah, yeah. And it was really personalised to Laurel. And I just thought that was incredibly unfair on her. So I understand that people are getting passionate about these sorts of issues. But to me, like I say, at a certain level, it's relatively clear for me, you know, we've got a New Zealand athlete wearing the silver fern and, and like all members of the team, I'll be backing it. Uh, on a, a different note, um, just finally, sir, um, uh, the Wallabies are in town. They've, they've hit Auckland, I think, on Friday. Uh, you granted them an, an economic exemption, which would, it was an interesting subject within itself. Of course, not every New Zealander is a sports fan, but every New Zealander has gone through a virus situation and some have not... Have, being able to have loved ones come home at the right time, etc., uh, because of quarantine regulations, and all of a sudden we've got this uh, this high-profile sports event going to take place at Eden Park on Saturday, which is great for rugby, great for New Zealand sport, but it has ruffled a few feathers along the way. So uh, that was an interesting decision, wasn't it? Yeah, look, and you know, and my social media feeds are anything to go by. There's certainly pretty mixed views on it, and I, I understand that. I think it's really important to be clear what the exemption was. So last week we had a week where all New Zealanders who were in Australia, other than those in Sydney, could come back and didn't have to go through quarantine. That finished on Friday. Um, the exemption we granted was that of the Australian team. The Wallabies are obviously not New Zealanders. And so we allowed them to come back in large part because they'd been in what's called a bio bubble in Australia. They'd been up on the Gold Coast. 
they hadn't been interacting with anybody else, we could be sure that they um, weren't, you know, going to be a risk to us. They had to do the pre-departure tests like everybody else does when they when they uh, come into New Zealand. And so the exemption wasn't about quarantine because nobody coming in uh, from from Australia other than New South Wales um, was subject to quarantine at that point. And yep, look, there is a, you know, for for New Zealand rugby, this is a significant event in terms of of, of revenue and for the businesses and the bars restaurants around where the game and hopefully games are going to be played, then that's, you know, that's a big deal. So, you know, it, it fitted the criteria that had been set and the Minister for COVID response signed it off. Um, but look, you know, none of that takes away from the people around the world who've been struggling to get back into New Zealand. COVID is, is causing these things all around the world. One of the things we've tried really hard to do over the last 18 months is find ways so that New Zealanders can have a bit of a sense of normality. So be it sports teams or concerts or, or workers that we're bringing in, we've tried hard to find ways of doing that safely. And, and that's what we did here with the Wallabies. Recognise it won't be universally popular, but uh, you know we were able to do it, and I believe we've been able to do it safely. Grant Robertson, Minister of Sport, um, let's hope that uh, the next week is uh, as successful as the last and uh, we've got reason to celebrate even more. And uh, whoever's competing, uh, I know they do it for the right reason and for the pride of New Zealand. So uh, let's wish them all the best. And I, I thank you so much for your time this morning. I realise you're a very busy man, but it's, it's cool that you've come on and, uh, and you're enjoying it like every New Zealander. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Cheers, Smithy. Yep, that was Grant Robertson, uh, of course, Deputy Prime Minister, but the Minister of Sport uh, as well with his views on uh, the Laurel Hubbard issue. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Wallabies this weekend uh, at Eden Park. So, yeah, things are, are still going ahead. There's still a, a virus going on around the world, too, on a very, very large scale in some countries. But we're persevering. And who would have thought uh, 10, 15 days ago that we'd get this far in the Olympics? Did we even think it, we'd, uh, we'd get to this point? Uh, a lot of people didn't. So the resilience of the athletes continues. Uh, what about a subject for you to text us on? Will you be watching Laurel Hubbard tonight? Will you? Will you be watching Laurel Hubbard tonight? And do you wish her well? That's the other point. Uh, 8833 uh, is our text number. You must have an opinion on this. Every Kiwi does. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. 0800 150 811. The caller of the month will win an All Blacks experience. Uh, that's courtesy of Full Park Entertainment. All Blacks experience. We can't tell you where or when because... Uh, just like the All Blacks, we don't quite know uh, what their future holds and how many games they're going to be playing. But when they play, uh, you'll be a winner here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the text line has been hot this morning. Don't worry about that. I thought it would be. Uh, Laurel Hubbard takes another woman's spot. It's Hugh. Um, he's... Uh, but passionate about the fact that uh, perhaps someone else should have been doing the job tonight for New Zealand, uh, not Laurel Hubbard. Good on you, Grant Robertson. Go, Laurel Hubbard, says uh, Charlie. So he's in favour. Um, Sam has a bit of a crack at me, and that's fair enough. Uh, I'll be watching Laurel, and of course, I'll be wishing her well. Um, honestly, stop dwelling on it, mate. It's only a big deal if you turn it into one. Yeah, I kind of get your sentiments there, Sam. Uh, but the fact of the matter, it's not me turning it into a big deal. It was a big deal long before this station came along and before I came along. Uh, I'm just trying to uh, trying to get the bottom of it myself, actually. So bear in mind also, Sam, we have uh, looked at the medical side of it. We've uh, talked to professors. We've talked to a trans athlete as well. So 
you know, we've, we've tried to balance it in that regard. But I understand there's a lot of passion about it, and that's fair enough. And I thank you very much uh, for your text. As much as I don't agree with Laurel competing, says James from Christchurch, there's still a part of our team, so I wish her all the best. Uh, will I watch? Probably not, but still wish her the best of luck. Uh, so there's some interesting one. I'll read some others uh, out shortly as well. But on the phone, we've got Tim from Auckland. Uh, good morning to you, Tim. Thanks for waiting for us. Uh, and, of course, morning, you're hosting in the Bledisloe Cup this Hit it, let us look up this weekend up that way, mate. Yes, we are, and I think we'll win quite comfortably. I just wanted to talk about the double standards, how they're letting the Australian Wallabies in, but we've got an Oceania World Cup qualifying tournament coming up, and we can't allow all of those teams in because that would give a real boost of football. Young, yeah, it'll give, I think it'll it'll give a boost of football. Yeah, well, having all uh, the teams here because they're going to play it in the Middle East for the All-Whites qualifying for the next World Cup because we won't allow all the teams in here. Because a lot of athletes would start as kids and have dreams to be top footballers. Not many people would start as an 18-year-old to have a dream to represent the country, would they? No, Tim. Uh, absolutely right. And the Football World Cup is a huge event, of course, and New Zealand has a relatively good history in it, apart from the fact that you know we're, we're never likely to win it. Uh, the whole issue here, Tim, and listening to, to Grant Robertson, is it's not so much a sport thing, um, although a, a sport is central to it. It's the economical side of it. And if, if it wasn't uh, destined to have a full house and it wasn't destined to help the rugby union recover uh, from their COVID losses, that, which have been well publicised, I'm not quite sure it would go ahead. Uh, so I, I think when... I've set a precedent now, though. So any sporting body, any sporting body... Um, that, that comes along, Tim, I think, as well within their rights to question uh, the government, to question uh, Grant Robertson, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to answer those questions. But uh, it is. It's a sensitive one. Again, uh, I go back to the personal side of things where so many people have not been able to get home for funerals, for sick loved ones, and that sort of thing. And, and I reiterate, not all New Zealanders are sporting people. Uh, you know, we love it. We listen to this station. We work on the station. We turn up at the weekends. Uh, and we are glued to it, to be fair, uh, because that's the way we are. But there's a lot of New Zealanders are not, and a lot of New Zealanders who have been affected by this virus and the inability to come and go as we used to. So very, very interesting um, argument, to be fair. Uh, hi, re Laurel Hubbard. Why can't they have a separate category for transgender participants um, or even a separate event like Paralympics? Or could just base categories using chromosomes in the current model? Either way, I hope she does well and brings home the gold. Uh, that's Chris. Yeah, I, I think there have to be a lot more transgender athletes for them to warrant a separate competition. Um, you know, at the moment, she's uh, one of the, I think there's three competing. The other two have not got the profile that uh, Laurel Hubbard's getting. Uh, Smithy, I'll watch Laurel Hubbard and be cheering for her. Do I think she should be allowed to compete? No. However, she has done nothing wrong and has met the requirements. I feel sorry for her when comments get personal, and I'm sure her life has been tough enough. Good luck to her, but I, I hope the rule changes and transgender athletes cannot compete as women in the future. Very balanced opinion, Hayden. Thank you very, very much. So, yeah, that's it, John. As far as um, our early poll on it, it's, it's quite supportive uh, now that the, the day's arrived. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's quite emotive when it started off, 
um, this debate, but over the weeks that we've had, two, two and a bit weeks now of just getting all sides of the story, I think the listeners and me and you have both been educated. And while it still doesn't quite seem right, the rules probably need a bit of a tweak. We've learned that Laurel has done nothing wrong. She's playing by the rules and deserves our full support. So um, quite mature, the feedback we've got this morning and heaps of it. There's another aspect to it uh, for me as well, uh, and that is uh, on the back of Simone Biles, on the back of Naomi Osaka. That's the mental thing and the pressure uh, that will be going on uh, Laurel Hubbard, win, lose or draw, going, going forward. That to me is a massive issue. Okay, right. Enough of that for, for the moment. It's 9.30, and Trudy, we did it. We got through. It is August, and we made it. It's news time with Trudy, who incidentally has been doing Dry July, as I have as well. Well done, girl. They just need to get it in and get it out. Kelly Brazier bangs it into touch. And a nation that has scaled every other peak in rugby now has the one prize that was missing. An Olympic gold. Black gold in Tokyo. New Zealand Olympic champions. Oh, yes, on the back of the next stuff, that from Tony Johnson and... Uh, Obviously, you could hear in the background of the commentary the jubilation on the field filtering all the way back to New Zealand. That was something absolutely special and creating history, as often they do, uh, our Black Ferns Sevens team. And in fact, our Black Ferns uh, women's teams overall, they've just been absolutely fantastic. And I'm really happy to welcome onto the show right now Carla Hoepa, who has been a, a, a member of the Black Ferns twice when they've won World Cups. Uh, that is outstanding. Not part of the Sevens uh, group this time around. But watching it very proudly, I would imagine. Carla, good morning to you. How special for you uh, watching that performance for your your friends, your colleagues? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it's 10 years in the making since um, the first 2012 Go For Gold campaign, which a whole lot of those girls were in. So, yeah, super special and definitely believable that they were able to go there and do the, do the job. They were under pressure a couple of times there against Great Britain uh, and, and Fiji in particular. Uh, I, it was amazing that they showed uh, the fortitude because normally uh, they're front runners. Normally it's other sides trying to catch them. But on a couple of occasions here, they had to dig really, really deep. Yeah, they did. But um, you can just see the confidence and connection that they have with each other. And I think um, no matter how much they were down, they knew 100% that they could um, score tries and come back from it. And they did. And I was even sitting there and people around me were like a little bit nervous. But I just knew they had it in them to be able to um, come back and take the win. Well, you were part of the program uh, going back to 2015. Um, and a lot of these players were, but they've had uh, some in new introductions, of course, along the way. Um, so, so could you tell that, that this was on the horizon way back then? Yeah, look, um, we were really unlucky to not take the gold in 2016. Um, we had the team to be able to do it then, but there was just a couple of things that weren't quite right in the environment. But look, um, seeing what they've done over the last five years since that 2016 campaign, they were 
um, out there and doing all the work that they could to make sure they brought back the gold this time around and just so proud of um, all the girls and just still feel that connection as a part of um, that sisterhood having been there when it first started but yeah super proud and proud to be a Kiwi. Well, there's uh, some great sisters in the group, there's no doubt about it. Um, one of them I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about is Kelly Brazier. Now, uh, you go back a long <laughs> way with Kelly Brazier in the 15s as well, um, way back to 2010. You, you uh, were, the, she was the top point scorer, you were the top try scorer way back then. Uh, and it does seem <laughs> a little while ago, to be fair, Carla. But there she was um, at the weekend, kicking the ball out to seal the deal. What kind of athlete is uh, Kelly Brazier? What what has made her stick at it for so long? Oh, look, she was um, she was a superstar from a very very young age. Um, I started playing with Kelly when she was sixteen years old, and she pretty much scored every um, point in our team then too. Um, she's just the hardest worker I know. She is out there every single day, pushing her body to the limit, and. She has come such a long way. She used to be super shy and um, didn't really say boo, and now she's like one of the top leaders in that um, seven squad. And it's just so, so awesome to see her um, have grown over the years and just see her as a top leader in that team now. One of the other players I'd like to talk to you about is Stacey Flula. Uh, I don't think, I mean, if they were handing out gold medals for smiles, she'd bring bringing two home because <laughs> the look on her face, whatever happens in a game. She just is the epitome of enjoying what you're doing out on the field. Uh, tell us a wee bit about her. She's a Waikato teammate of yours. Yeah, she is. Look, she's um, she's got a pretty cool background coming from a really small um, place and then making it to the world stage. I remember when Stacey came into the sevens program and she was full of energy then and just super, super keen to learn. And now to see her on the world stage and being uh, one of those uh, top players in the black jersey now, it's just, so cool to see and just so cool to see her enthusiasm and her smile every time she takes the field. Sarah Herini, of course, uh, there she was carrying the flag into the arena uh, not that long ago and now she's carrying a nasty black eye uh, to, to bring home <laughs> as well. But she's bringing home, she's bringing home a, a gold medal. And now, uh, to me, uh, she epitomises the word role model and leader because... They just seem to follow her. She talks a lot during the break. You can hear and see her on the field, uh, you know, calling the, the shots. So she's just, she's been fantastic, Sarah. Yeah, look, she came in when she was quite young too. And um, I think from day dot, she's always put her hand up, not out. And she's, she's taken on that captaincy role and she's made sure that she's the hardest worker in that team as well. So um, it's great to see where she's come from and where she is now. And, yeah, every time her players around her um, talk about her, they just have so much pride and admiration for her. And it's it's awesome to see. Um, she's had a tough five months losing her mum and to see her go out there and win that gold medal, I'm sure um, that put a smile and a bit of happiness back into her whanau back home. And, um, yeah, she should be super proud and just awesome to see her carrying that flag, not only for New Zealand but for women's rugby and to see... Um, all these young girls looking up to those girls wanting to be a Black Sands 7s um, player now is so cool. It's 9.40 here on SENZ. We're talking to uh, Black Fern Carla Hohepa and uh, we've been discussing the 7s to this point. Uh, also, Alan Bunting has now decided to step down after a decade with the team. How instrumental would you say uh, he has been in getting the team to this point? 
um, oh, he, um, in 2012, when we came in, he just showed that mana and that family connection within the team. And I think without having him there, um, a lot of that wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, kudos to him. And it's so I'm so proud to um, see him get a gold medal with the girls. I mean, he, he had so much trust in the players. Um, even when we were first starting the program, you know, he fully trusted the girls and what they were capable of doing. And you can see out there, he doesn't say too much. He gives it. He gives the lead to those lead players. But I'm so proud of him and where he's come from and what he's done with this team. And, yeah, he should be super proud of the legacy that he's left. We could go through them all one by one, but I'll tell you who's uh, really made a mark over there. I don't know, it's because she's done some television work for Sky Television, but the, the <laughs> media, the world media, have really warmed to Ruby Tui. She, I mean, she's got them in the palm of her hand. Yeah. Oh, she's a character of Ruth, um, and she she's a massive part of that culture and connection as well. And oh, it's just good to see her out there um, carving on the world stage. And I guess, yeah, being that connection between um, all all of the world um, and seeing like how that they can just be happy and enjoy the moment of being gold medalist. Carla Hohepa, and now of course uh, the attention turns to the 15 women game and, that, and that's a really important and uh, confirmation of two games against Australia and we hope and pray of course with COVID that everything's a wee bit up in the air but it's been so long uh, since the team is able to get together with a purpose and have a date in their mind so 26th of September in Christchurch, 2nd of October at Eden Park, playing for the O'Reilly Cup, and then possibly an end-of-year tour. So all of a sudden, it's the 15s now that is going to become very, very important. And uh, another successful campaign, hopefully, ahead looking to the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Look, um, we are praying that these two tests go ahead. Um, hopefully, the end-of-year tour, we need to get some games under our belt before World Cup next year, but... Look, the girls behind the scenes are doing the work and they're making sure that whatever happens, they're ready. Um, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll welcome in some of our sevens girls into our program now, um, ready to try and bring back that World Cup next year. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I can't wait. And I hope all of New Zealand get behind our 15s girls now and um, support the campaign for the World Cup. Just finally, uh, Carla, while we've got you there, uh, the Farah Palmer Cup is up and running, of course. So we're into it big time now. And I just kind of sense, I just kind of sense Canterbury are under more pressure this year in the past. And that's because, of, I guess, of the development of other sides and, and the quality of players uh, starting to come through. But they just got home uh, against Wellington at the weekend. They were pushed by Waikato a week ago. Do you sense someone else, maybe in Auckland, maybe even a man or two who are two from two? Uh, can have a year. Yeah, look, it's great to see um, the calibre of women's rugby that's coming out now. Um, I'm I'm hoping we're back in that final again, but yeah, I think maybe they've got a little pressure on them. I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe it's just that other teams are ready and hungry to get out there and um, take that title away from them, and it's hard being at the top because everyone's trying to chase you, but look, the, the women's rugby um, level that's coming through now is amazing, and I can't wait to see what um, we can produce over this next year leading into the World Cup because now with the Black Fern Sevens winning gold and hopefully we win the um, World Cup again next year for women's rugby and the girls the girls growing up in New Zealand to want to be in that black jersey is fantastic for our game and I can't wait to see what, what happens. Well, Carla, it's been wonderful talking to you. I, I know you weren't there, but I can hear your excitement and your joy 
uh, and the vo- and your voice um, as you watch that, like the rest of the country. And you shared in it because you know them all so well. So uh, thank you for your time this morning. It's been great having a chat. Good luck too uh, with Waikato, and good luck also with, with the Black Ferns later in the year. Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, take some more calls, perhaps uh, look at some more texts. There's plenty of them. It's an emotive day. Uh, and I think we'll have a little chat about a multi, maybe a successful one over the weekend. And that was seriously due. Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 9.50 here on SENZ, the new team in town, uh, coming up after 10 o'clock, talking to uh, Wallaby legend Tim Hoare, and of course these days uh, a rugby commentator for Stan and for Channel 9 in Australia, um, about the, the test match coming up on Saturday at Eden Park. Uh, Bernadine Oliver Kirby and Jamie Wall will be uh, part of the panel. Uh, as we discuss uh, certain issues, and then uh, Louis Herman Watt and Paul Mawati will be dealing with things involving racing and betting. Uh, the texts just keep coming in. How come Australia can come over like that? Our UFC fighters that are carrying the country on their back going to war every time can't even manage to get a voucher to come back into the country. These guys are only getting paid per fight and aren't getting any help whatsoever. Um, yeah, well, uh, it's not just those, uh, to be uh, perfectly honest. The, of course, we mentioned uh, family members and their plights trying to get back for, for, for sentimental reasons and, and very, very justifiable ones at that. Um, Jeremy in the office in Wellington said, uh, good luck to Miss Hubbard tonight. And yes, I will be watching because she is a Kiwi competitor like everyone else. She has shown huge courage. 20 years ago, I had a work colleague who undertook a similar path, except she did not have a public profile. Mary did not have even uh, a public profiling job. Yet I saw enormous prejudice right down to which bathroom ignorant colleagues thought she should be able to use. I do wonder, though, if the arguments are more based on weightlifting than anything else. Is she a a pistol shooter or a lawn bowler at the Commonwealth Games? Would we have the same discussions? Well, if she was uh, in a a sevens team with physical contact, uh, I think that would add something to it as well, Jeremy. And that's another side of things. But Certainly, it's tonight. It's a very, very big occasion for Laurel Hubbin and historic. Uh, whichever way you look at it, it's historic. Back with the multi very shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when the walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. 9.57 here on SENZ, and it was a dollar thirty against John remembering to play the jingle for that, so uh, that's part of a multi in itself. Hey, success over the weekend. Success over the weekend. Yep, Smithy got it. Uh, 3-1, Sweden beat Japan in the women's football. Uh, the Broncos murdered the Cowboys. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then, of course, the Springboks, the second half performance to dominate the Lions at 203, that was the value. So $5.35, that result, if you happen to follow me. I wouldn't have blamed you if you didn't, but we finally got one home over the weekend and it was a goodie. So that gives us confidence going into today. Our Monday multi, women's football, the USA to beat Canada at $1.60, I think that's cool. Uh, women's uh, football, also Sweden to beat Australia at $1.57. Now remember, these are 90-minute results. If they go into extra time, you miss the boat there because there's a draw option 
for those games too. So be aware of that. Um, and I, I fell foul of that over the weekend, actually. Uh, Gold Coast Titans to beat the Bulldogs, $1.25. I think that's a given too. Uh, Monday NRL games. And, and we're talking to Vossi, of course, uh, later this morning too. So uh, it's a, a $3.14 reward for that if you manage to get them up. So uh, all the best in that regard. Great effort uh, too by the Ollie Whites uh, via Good Japan side. This is a text from Danny G. We didn't have a clue in the shootout, I guess, because we haven't had too much experience in them. Uh, give them a 6.5 overall. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a little bit under, to be fair. They created history on a couple of occasions and got further than we've ever got before. So I give that a 7.5, actually. Uh, they might not get it themselves. Uh, and Gareth Southgate, the manager of the uh, England side, and Danny Hay, uh, I would imagine at some stage we'll get together and drink a truckload of beers talking about penalty shootouts because neither of them uh, have had very fond memories of them. Uh, after the break, uh, actually, what else have we got coming up today? Uh, or Lisa Carrington, but we shouldn't forget that Caitlin Regal is part of that as well. We tend to get carried away because it's been uh, the Lisa Carrington show to this point. Uh, we've got Canoe Sprint as well with uh, Alicia Hoskin and Tennille Hatton. Uh, they're all in there. We've got a very powerful team there. Can, uh, Andrews Nahu uh, in the women's 87 kilo weightlifting as well. Uh, also, we've got uh, Sailing with Paul... Snow Hanson, Dan Wilcox, diving with Anton Down Jenkins, and uh, as we mentioned before, around 6.30 tonight, Peter Burling and Flair, as well as this track cycling getting underway. And, and i got a feeling we've got plenty of medals in the velodrome coming our way. That's a very, very powerful team. Looking forward to that. Ah, busy first hour and an even busier one coming up after the break. News time with This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Australia has won the Bledisloe Cup for only the fifth time in its history. The Wallabies, only the fourth touring side to win a series on New Zealand soil. And the 86 Wallabies also, the first Australian team to win a three-test series here. Ah, uh, the dulcet tones of Gordon Bray and the uh, Advance Australia Fair in the background. Those were the days. That was 1986, the last time the Wallabies won at Eden Park in Auckland. Uh, joined now by Wallaby great 80 times in the Wallaby jersey, Tim Horan, who was synonymous with uh, successful Wallaby teams during his era. Wonderful combination, of course, with Jason Little in the midfield. Uh, now calling the game for Stan Sport and Channel 9 in Australia. Uh, good morning to you, Tim. Thanks uh, so much for coming in on the show. Uh, and yes, the Wallabies are in Auckland, and who would have thought that uh, a few weeks ago? Yeah, thanks, Levy. Glad to be on the show, and uh, hello to everyone listening in this morning. It's, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting match, won't it, uh, this weekend. And Wallabies, yeah, we keep looking back to how long we've, since we've won at Eden Park, and how long since we've got our hands on the Bledisloe Cup and had a drink out of it, so... Um, sort of coming to desperate times for the Wallabies, but I think, you know, I'm not sure whether this is the year, but they're getting a little bit closer, I think, the Wallabies in the, the way they played the French series. So uh, another year with uh, Dave Rennie in charge, of course, uh, Dave Rennie, huge, huge rap in New Zealand on his ability to coach uh, very good rugby sides and, and bring them to their best. Uh, so Nick White has been talking up a bit of a storm. He, he has uh, not been able to play because he's been injured, but there is a possibility uh, that he might make an appearance uh, coming up in the Bledisloe Cup going forward. 
Um, <coughs> he's talked up a storm saying, this is a good side, this, this side can do it. Uh, does it give you confidence with what you saw against France over that triple header? Yeah, it does, Smithy. It's um, probably a few things that gave me confidence was the leadership from Michael Hooper's always strong, and he showed that again, uh, what a player that he has been. But also gave me a bit more confidence about the depth that the Wallabies do have now, especially in the back row, um, whether it's you know like a Lockie Swinton or it's a Harry Wilson, or they've got plenty of options. They've got plenty of probably bigger bodies that we haven't had for a few years now with a bit more experience and. When you look at the back line, um, when you look at Noel Olesiu, what he's done, he's still got a bit to go yet as a fly half. He's only played six or seven test matches. So I, I just think that the way that the Wallabies are playing at the moment, there's probably not a lot of fear when, you, when you're younger and you're coming into a test team, whether it's like Pate McDermott, if he gets a start, or Nick White gets a start. I think these younger players that are coming in, Smitty, probably don't have a lot of fear and probably don't understand... Um, probably what the test match level is like but I think that they are getting more experience to understand that super rugby is totally different to how you play test match footy One of the things that I found encouraging and I guess you did Tim as well is the fact that they had to go 80 minutes on three occasions in that test series against France uh, and in the end they managed to, to triumph after, well it was almost after the final whistle so Going 80 minutes is imperative against the All Blacks, so there were good signs there. Yeah, great signs, Smitty, and I think the way that you mentioned Dave Rennie before, and had a little bit to do with Dave Rennie the last 18 months, and a couple of interviews, and going to watch um, the Wallabies train, and what they do away from the training paddock as well, where he gets in and has singing sessions with them, he gets on the guitar, and he just does these little things to bring the side together, uh, and cherish what while you're playing you know, in the gold jersey, and why, and and then it, that translates to on the field. They're playing for each other and, as you mentioned, playing for more than 80 minutes sometimes in those matches against France. And I think the crowd that was at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane on that third test match where you really had to dig deep against France to win that match. It was you know close to 40,000 people there. And they really lifted um, the crowd and for the, for the Wallaby players. I think that's, that was really important to... The crowd starting to identify again with the Wallabies and who's playing for the Wallabies. Tanya Tupo, uh, Michael Hooper, Kate McDermott, those type of players. Whereas previous years, a while ago, you, you didn't. If you are someone outside of a normal Wallaby supporter, they couldn't name one or two players in the Wallaby team. Now they can probably name you know six or seven. Tim Horan is with us here on SENZ, and we're really. Uh Grateful that uh, he's managed to find some time to just uh, do that and to look at the forthcoming uh, test matches, uh, and we hope there are test matches, plural, uh, between New Zealand uh, and the Wallabies, of course. Uh, Tim, you would have, I guess, uh, had a, a candid sort of a look at New Zealand against Tonga, which was a bit of a non-event, 100 points there to uh, none from Tonga, but the tests against Fiji were highly, highly competitive. They, they brought it. They really did bring it to both those matches. Uh, what did you make of the All Blacks uh, going forward? I really like their forward pack and, and how they um, probably withstood you know, the, the barrage from Fiji, especially in that first half of both test matches. I think that um, you know, the way that they really came at the, the All Blacks, they, um, obviously they're a, they're a big side, Fiji, and they're getting a lot more skillful in the forward department. We all know how good they are within the backs and how great they are in seven aside and, and that sort of area. But I think in the forward pack, they've really come a long way. So uh, I was just impressed with the way that the the All Blacks withstood that, and also on their backs, how they were patient. They, you know, didn't. Um, you, you can't really fluster the All Blacks, and you know we've got great respect for the All Black players for many, many years, and this year, you know, certainly will as well. But 
um, it's very difficult to fluster um, the, the All Blacks and, and, and make them make a mistake. But I thought they withstood the Fijian team, but it'll be a different experience on Saturday. And I'm not sure what you're hearing, Smitty, but we're hearing that potentially it could be a second Test match next Saturday in Auckland as well. Yeah, I've read about that and uh, heard about that too, Tim. And I, I kind of think that it would be a real possibility. I'm going to ask you about the Lions and the Springboks very shortly because they're playing all their three Test matches in Cape Town. So uh, we've seen it happen. And, of course, if you want to maximise the economic value of it, you've got to go to your biggest stadiums, and Auckland's the biggest market. And I think that's, that's a, a real possibility, Tim. And uh, I, I think that's probably... It's not going to count in Australia's favour if you, you uh, really do consider the hoodoo of Eden Park to be a thing. Uh, but certainly not to up upship and, and move to another part of New Zealand, I think, would be beneficial in, in that regard. So, uh, man, we've we just got to take what we get, don't we, in terms of sport at the moment? Well, I think so, Smitty. I think um, you just got to do whatever you can to um, play these three test matches because financially for both uh, organisations, both Rugby Australia, but also you know New Zealand Rugby as well, need financially to have people at the game, but also make sure these three test matches go ahead. And um, yeah, I was sort of hearing, you know, off the grapevine that potentially two test matches in a row in Auckland, and then you'd have to allow the Australian government and New Zealand government would have to allow then another two weeks for the players to be in Perth. So the first test match might be towards the back end of August, I think about the 28th of August, potentially, to, if we can get that third test match happening. So I think both both organisations understand how important it is financially, but also to, to have three test matches and players, in the end, understand and probably don't care whether games are played as long as they're played. Tim, uh, one of the question mark areas about the, the All Blacks at the moment is the centre pairing, actually, and it's an area, of course, that uh, you have greater expertise in. Uh, we're probably looking at maybe David Harvey and Anton Leonard Brown at the moment. Have you, have you had an, cast an eye over the, what, our combinations there? Yeah, I think that's your best combination. I think um, Anton Leonard Brown and um, David Harvey. I think I like the way they're staying to form a bit of a combination, but also the way that um, they're not shy when they're playing. They're not just distributing the ball out. They've got different options all the time. David Harvey, you know, the way that he's been playing has been sensational. His defence is outstanding and. I think as a centre pairing, you've got to have, one, the combination first, but two, you've got to be able to understand what the other player is doing and, and, and defence is utmost important as a centre straight away and those two players have got it. And uh, Anton Leonard brown shown for a long period of time now um, how he is. And I think just at test match level, they're the two that I'd be selecting because you go to super rugby level, yes, you could. there's other players that may have um, better credentials with offloads and the way they play the game. But I think in test match level, Defence is first and attack comes second. Tim, I just wonder about the makeup of the Australian side. OK, it's Monday morning here. It won't be announced, I wouldn't think, till perhaps even uh, Thursday. Uh, confirmation from Dave Rennie. But uh, when you look at the side that played against France across the board, he was pretty consistent in most areas there, Dave Rennie. What, what are you expecting he'll come up with at Eden Park on Saturday? It'll depend on whether if Nick White's fit or not. Um, but I think that you know, if I'm Dave Rennie, you know, I'll probably be putting Nick White on the bench if he's fit enough. But because Tate McDermott is a wonderful player and can spark something, uh, I think you've got to have have an edge um, somewhere in the team. And I think Tate McDermott's it at scrum half. I think he's probably deserved the right to to start against the All Blacks now. Also in the back line, just our centre combination as well, Smitty. Is you know, when you look at Hunter Paisami. He'll, he'll be there somewhere, but just depends on who's going to partner him. Is it Matt Toonua 
or do you try and put in Jordan Jordan Pattaya? Um, he's coming back from from an injury with a thigh injury, so uh, he might come from the bench. But it just um, at the moment for us, we're just trying to find the right combination in that back line, and we need to at some stage, Smitty, as you know, probably two and a half years out from a rugby World Cup, we've got a really young team, young back line, but we've got to be able to pick and stick. Um, Marika Corambetti, what a player he is, but he's leaving us at the end of this season to go and play in Japan, so that's going to be a huge loss. Yeah, well, uh, both those uh, questions uh, will be answered in terms of the all-black makeup and uh, the Wallaby makeup later on in the week, and it'll be interesting to see also what Ian Foster comes up with. Uh, Tim, uh, really, before I let you go, mate, I'd really like your opinion on the, the Lions and the Springboks. It's been hard work, we knew it would be been brutal. If you were standing in the midfield as you did so often outside Dan Bigger, you might have been a tad frustrated. He only passed the ball three times in the game last weekend. What, what have you made of that series? Um, gee, I tell you what, it's uh, tough as a referee, isn't it? <laughs> Nick Berry in the first test mm. match and, and uh, you know how, how that went. But I think that um, when you look at the, the matches, I, I just found that the Lions went into their shell and got a bit nervous in that second test match to to run the ball and Smithy, you're right. Dan Bigger hardly passed it, and and the aerial confrontation that's that's occurred, and Springboks are winning that. And um, I think the the Lions will make some changes. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd pick Alan Farrell at ten or, or twelve. Um, I think you need to have Alan Farrell in the team. I don't know why they didn't pick him in the first two Test matches. And uh, yes, Dan Bigger's a great player, but uh, I'd have Farrell somewhere in that team at ten or twelve. And there'll be a couple of changes in the forward pack. I think for the Lions, but. Congratulations to the Springboks. They hit back and, as you mentioned, maybe three three matches in Cape Town. And, uh, it's just a, such a shame that there's no crowds there. But uh, as I said before, with this Wallabies and the All Blacks, the players just want to play the game and, and try and get through this series. So um, a wonderful opportunity for both teams. But the Springboks have got some momentum. Tom Horan, thank you very much for your time. I realise uh, you're pretty busy Monday morning and uh, a lot of rugby to focus on as well. But... Uh, thanks so much. It's, it's always a pleasure talking to you and get your insight on uh, the Test match coming up at the weekend. Australia, of course, uh, against New Zealand. Of course, the Lions against the Springboks as well. So much to look forward to. And let's just hope, cross our fingers, that they all go ahead. That will be good news, uh, particularly Eden Park on Saturday night, a full house. Can't wait. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty past ten here on SENZ, and it is time for the highly popular panel segment of our show. And we're joined this morning by a highly prolific rugby writer and freelance journalist, uh, and a man very much in the know, uh, particularly on anything rugby-wise, Jamie Wall, and my boss uh, too from Sky, (coughs) Bernadine Oliver Kirby, is with us. This morning is a high-profile pro, uh, presenter in her own right and will be there um, on Sunday, or Saturday night. It will be at Eden Park So for the first test match between the Australians and the Wallabies. Bernie, can I start with you? Uh, I'll just say three words and you can come on in. Dame Val Adams. Oh, isn't it just unbelievable? There, has there been a moment like that in any Olympic Games where a bronze medal has moved us that greatly. That was, it was just insane. In fact, my daughter was out for the day and I wanted to tell someone I was home alone. So I sent her a text saying, Dame Val has claimed bronze. And I got a text back saying, damn. <laughs> and I sent one back saying, no, no, she's <laughs> thrilled. 
And my, the response from my 18-year-old was, is that sarcastic? That's an indication of our expectation on these athletes. We all expect Dame Val to get gold. We all expected her to medal. The fact that she held up that bronze medal saying this is worth more than any of those goals honestly had me sobbing in my lounge room and I would challenge anyone to say they weren't moved by that. The work and sacrifice she has put in is just next level and I was probably as proud as any of her family members and go vow. And her reaction, wasn't that just insane? It was, Penny. It absolutely was, Jamie. What, what it suggests to me when you, when you look at a a performer over the years is a great story of longevity and in the meantime she's managed to find time to be a mum you know and a wife and everything else that we're supposed to try and fit into our busy life she's done it but done it more special than most yeah Kia ora Smithy and Bernie and uh, yeah absolutely echo this the sentiments just shared there uh, what an inspiration uh, she is and what uh, what a great moment that was uh, I watched it too um, you know watched the whole competition and um, yeah just her reaction at the end was just something that just blew me away uh, it's a really important New Zealand Olympic moment um, uh, and I hope that it's, it's, it's inspired a lot of people out there um, that uh, you know you can do those things um, and you, if you just work hard and, and get at it and, and her words afterwards um, you know talking about the sacrifices she's made as well uh, really inspiring stuff um, and just also just a shout out to um, our other New Zealand competitor in that uh, Madison Lee Wishy because it really felt like it was a bit of a torch passing moment um, there. You know, she she probably uh, did a bit better than what a lot of people expected. And in, in fact, <laughs> she threw a personal best without even taking off her sunglasses. So how cool was that? Yeah. I mean, that's the future. Uh, and we can never neglect the future. Uh, I mean, and it's easy to get lost in, in what uh, Dame Val has achieved. But certainly that, that looks really, really positive. And you can't help but think that uh, Val Adams, apart from just being an inspiration for her, uh, maybe a, a little bit more closely attached to her down the line when the big events come along. Speaking of great performances as well, Jamie, um, the, the Black Ferns are under pressure at times, uh, it's fair to say. Uh, they're under pressure in Great Britain uh, in the early stages and then again Fiji. But I thought they were <coughs> deserved winners and, and it looked uh, pretty much a lay-down Mazir against France right from the outset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Also, it just went to show that, uh, you know, they handled the pressure of expectation that was put on them. Uh, and that's the expectation of not just this season, it's been ever since the last Olympics. And, uh, you know, we had push women uh, come out before this tournament started and say that, you know, they're there to make up for that, uh, that silver medal that they, they had in Rio, which is, you know, nothing to be ashamed of, uh, of course. Um, but, you know, they had a job to do and they got out and did it. And against uh, a field of teams that were perhaps a lot stronger than a lot of people anticipated, especially that Fijian side. Um, and if that if they can keep that team together and keep getting some money put in, they're going to prove to be a real force against uh, the Black Ferns in years to come. And it's going to be great for the game of uh, women's sevens because the Black Ferns uh, sevens this whole time have just been such a, such a shining light in that space. Uh, great to watch and also just incredibly good to deal with. I've had a lot to do with them over the last few years and uh, are quite e- quite easily the uh, the best team to um, to have media relations with in that in that whole space. Yeah, I think uh, very valid thoughts. Those uh, Bernie, uh, we we deal with them a lot at the Sky as well, and I mean they're just happy to be on. They're happy to be part of it. They're happy to be televised, uh, and and I just I, I just think it's a reflection of if you look at their faces. I mean, have you ever seen a squad of of athletes or or teammates who appear to have as much fun? 
as they do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're the sisterhood. They're whānau, aren't they? And they've said that. They've been together for a couple of months and they will continue to, to hang out together because they've got such a great connection and that shows. I've got to be honest, um, and I won't be popular for saying this, I didn't think they were convincing. You know, sitting back watching, I didn't think they were a convincing side as far as the gold medal goes. We had too many scares and I was worried. But testament to how tough they dug it in and a win is a win, is a win, doesn't matter how you do it. And they had the pressure on them. They had the pressure from themselves, from the past hurt, and they had the pressure being the team to beat. So you cannot deny that performance in the end. You can't deny that gold medal, and I'm so thrilled for them. And Ruby Tui's reaction, Sarah Hidini's post-match interview, it was so refreshing. And if I'm honest, I actually sent messages to my um, workmates saying, boy, I'd love to clip this up and send this to the All Black team because it's refreshing. You want a bit of honesty. How was that game? Let's not talk in in little um, excerpts that you expect. You know, give me the real, how was it out there? What does it mean to you? It was refreshing and I loved hearing what it was like from from those team members. And wouldn't it be neat if we could hear that from, from other sports teams who don't feel like they've got to put the media cap on. You know, it's friendly fire. We want to hear about their experiences and what it means to them. And, um, you know, it would be nice moving forward to have a little bit more of that. Yeah, certainly image is is so important to sport, particularly uh, when we're looking to inspire youngsters these days. And their image is is simply outstanding. Bernie, you you, uh, are hosting Sky's coverage of uh, the All Blacks against the Wallabies on Saturday night at Eden Park. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, they're talking about. I'm not sure it's confirmed, but they're, they're talking about a double header at Eden Park the following week as well. Um, that makes sense, doesn't it? Bearing in mind that, that the Springboks and the Lions are playing a whole three match series in one place in Cape Town. It does, and look, doesn't mean all the fans are going to like it. Um, I think it's a little bit sad that we won't be able to, if that goes ahead, share the love with the rest of the country. Um, you can imagine what the, some of the reaction will be. Oh, you know, greedy Auckland <laughs> getting two matches. Um, you know, that's probably coming. But if we want to have a test match, and two test matches here, and the Bledisloe's underway, it's a needs must, isn't it? And if Auckland can host it, um, you know, twice safely, well, maybe that's the way it is. I would love to see it go around the rest of the country. Why can't we just combine the beer festival with the rugby game in Wellington? And I reckon it's just a match made in heaven, don't you reckon? Uh, hey, mate, no, no, no objection in this camp, I can promise you, although... I'm not a wheat I mean, beer sort of a fan. I'm not a craft. I'm not. I'm not a craft beer person, to be perfectly honest. But I'd push it. I'd, you know, I'd struggle through if if, uh, if needs must, as you say. Uh, <laughs> Jamie. Um, yeah, Jamie. Jamie. If we Wall, make it that uh, far, if we make it that far, if we these, make it that these far, these games are killing me. Is anyone else dying from exhaustion, yeah. or is it just me? Because it's two a.m. finishes every <laughs> blimmin' night. Yeah, it's fantastic though, and it's only once every five years at the moment, Bernie, and then three years to the next one, so be brave, be brave, girl. Uh, Jamie, uh, listen, let's uh, talk about the, the solid, uh, Australia-New Zealand game on, on Saturday night. Uh, coming over here, Nick White talking tough again. What did you see uh, in the uh, Australia-France series that makes them a genuine threat, if anything? Uh, well, I mean, you know, they're building on what they, they did last year. Uh, which was, you know, you have to remember that um, the All Blacks' record against Australia last year was, uh, you know, they had a draw and and, uh, and they beat us in that last game. So 
you know, Dave Rennie's got a plan uh, coming into this. I think it's fair enough for them to talk um, talk tough about this. You know, for all of Australian rugby's faults, they can still pull 23 good players together at any one time. So, you know, they're right to be confident um, coming over here. They did give us a scare in that first game last year in Wellington. Uh, so, you know, I'm just hoping that it's going to be good and competitive because we really haven't really learned anything from those first three All Black games, uh, let's face it. I mean, we still don't know who, the, who Ian Foster's preferred 10 is at this stage. Like, I'm, I'm guessing it's Richie Moana, but it, it could be Bowden Barrett. I'm not sure. I'll like, oh, Bowden Barrett goes from now on. And as for the new players, it's like, yeah, yeah, we had some good performances there, but, I mean, so they should. You know, they, they, that was... Tonga and, and, you know, respect to Fiji for showing up in that first test, but really, like, those were comfortable All Black ones, so this is where it starts, and the main narrative from now on is not so much about the All Black team, it's about Foster, um, because over the next uh, couple of months, uh, you know, fingers crossed that these games actually go ahead, you know, we're going to know whether he's, he's the guy to take us through the next, that next World Cup, so it's all on him uh, from now on, and if he can pull out a good season uh, from here on out, then, then he can sit back and go, like, right, I'm the man for the job. So it's it's there's going to be a lot of pressure on him uh, the decisions he makes uh, going forward. This is the panel you're listening to with Jamie Wall and Bernadine Oliver Kirby. Uh, they'll be back just after this break. It's time for the news with Trudy. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Ten thirty-three here, and it's the panel, of course. Uh, Bernadine Oliver Kirby and Jamie Wall. Uh, Bernadine, it's the double L show for me. I know there are other uh, athletes participating for New Zealand today, but Lisa Carrington back in that boat, back on that waterway that's given us so much success today. So we'll start with uh, Lisa Carrington. Uh, Man, I I so look forward to this girl as well and and what she's achieved so far. But more gold, I reckon, more gold coming from Lisa. Oh, and, and I think she believes it. She knows and believes it. Boy, do you ever feel inferior looking at those guns and those shoulders? She's an absolute machine, isn't she? I'm reaching for the deep heat just watching her. Um, she <laughs> is uh, a focused athlete. She sets the bar so high, and she's she's doing what you know no one really has done before. She's she's spread herself thin, hasn't she? She's not only just doing her event but others as well. And this is just such an exciting prospect. And again, longevity for women. How long has she been doing this? She's a star. Yeah, absolute star, Jamie. Um, so let's get on to the other one that one a lot of people don't want to talk about, but the day has finally arrived, or the night is about to arrive, uh, for Laurel Hubbard. Um, man, we've had so many conflicting views. We've tried to get a, a, an even perspective by getting uh, professors in, by getting trans athletes in as well, uh, and then the other side of the ledger. There doesn't appear to be too much middle ground. You're either for or against, and most are still against, Jamie. Yeah, and that's the problem that we have with this issue, uh, is that it's become so polarising that if you are to express an opinion one way or the other, then you're going to get a clip from, from somebody. Um, and when, when JD texted me this morning to come and appear on the panel and he said, this is what we're talking about, I, th- I thought, oh man, are we getting ourselves into a bit of a problem here? But you know, having listened to what Grant Robertson was talking about earlier and that, that coverage that you've mentioned earlier, and I have to give you guys a decent bit of credit for balancing out this issue as best you can um, because it is something we have to talk about. We can't just pretend that it's, it's, it's not happening. It's not an issue for some people, but you know, we, we should be able to discuss the nuances of the situation. And um, for me, like, yeah, the rules are in place and um, she was picked according to the rules. Um, there's a lot of people who aren't happy about it. I mean, I attended the 
um, naming ceremony where um, the weightlifting team was named up in up in Parnell there at Olympic House, and uh, you know there's a lot of tension in there, a lot of tension. Um, so we can't just pretend that it's not something that, that it's something that's not uh, an issue. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that you know she's there on merit. She's uh, she's been picked according to the rules, and um, you know she's representing New Zealand. So you know, and she's a middle chance. So I don't think she should be treated any any other way than any, anyone else that that falls into that category when she's lifting weights. Um, the wider issue of why she should be there. Well, I mean that's an ongoing conversation, and the nuance of uh, perhaps uh, the people that have not been picked, um, and uh, while well, she has, like that's another valid argument to be to be had too. Because their voices deserve to be heard. Jamie, with his thoughts here, Jamie Wall. Uh, Bernie, it's uh, around about 7.30 in the morning, uh, Tokyo time. I would imagine uh, Laurel Hubbard uh, has probably woken up here and she's re realised that tonight is the night for her. And I would imagine she's pretty relieved uh, that it's actually going to get to a competing stage uh, after all the discussion. Yeah, it would be, and she's a, a, a pro athlete, isn't she? She's going to get in the zone. But, um, you know, while she's going to lift today, the fallout and the conversation will continue, and that's the thing. We've talked about this. Now she's going to take centre stage. How she competes and how she, she finishes will again um, be a springboard for our next conversation, won't it? If, if she bombs out, you know, maybe that will, will quieten her critics down. If she does well, it's only going to go next level. And remember, some of the people she's competing against also don't want her there. Uh, one of the athletes, uh, Anna Van Bellingham, has said this is a bad joke that Laurel Hubbard is competing. You know, the bottom line is she has met the criteria. You know, she has qualified on a, on a competitive level. She meets the hormone levels. Anyone having an issue with Laurel Hubbard being at the Games needs to take their fight to the IOC and the people who made the rules, not Laurel Hubbard. You'll be watching? Absolutely. What am I not watching? As I said to you, if I make Eden Park <laughs> on the weekend for this rugby game, it'll be a miracle because I'm just dying of exhaustion. And by the way, I'm an expert <laughs> now in fencing, table tennis, trampolining, you name it. I, I know it all now. I'm all, I'm all across it, Millie. I wouldn't trust you with a sword in your it. hand, I promise. I, I would not trust you with a sword <laughs> in your hand, fencing or, other, fencing or otherwise. Uh, just, just finally... <laughs> Benny, I'll leave. I, I just want to know your favourite uh, result so far. Your favourite medal. Uh, you got to pick one out, please. Oh, look! I want to say Dame Val, um, but I, I don't like running with the pack, as you know, Smithy. So Emma Twig. Um, if anyone's deserving of her moment in the spotlight, it's Emma Twig. I think the harder sport rowing, and uh, she's shown that she's got resilience and perseverance. So uh, bravo, Emma Twig. Take a bow. Jamie Wall, and your favourite uh, Olympic moment for us thus far? Oh, I'm going to say a quick shout-out to Dylan Schmidt because uh, I didn't actually know the trampoline was in the Olympics until I got told he uh, had won a bronze medal, so well done to him. Um, but uh, just to my friend Marcus Daniel um, and his uh, doubles partner, Michael Venus, um, a lot of people think that uh, life of a pro tennis player is, is pretty glamorous. Um, I, I know from talking to those guys that it really can't, can't, isn't sometimes. Um, and so then for a to achieve that, uh, the Olympics 
uh, is massive. Um, and also just the, the Black Friend Sevens, I can't say enough about how much I admire and respect uh, that team and want to see them just keep, keep on keep on doing that. It's, it's fantastic. And just also, just one more, not a, not a medal thing, but um, the Ollie Whites, uh, great campaign from them. Um, and here's hoping Chris Wood can kick on and be a real superstar in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. I think you might have to go from Burnley to one of the big clubs. I hope that would be a possibility. Jamie Wall, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. And Bernie, Bernadine Oliver-Kirby, uh, always uh, really does. She's so passionate about sport. I love hearing uh, her thoughts on the matter as well. That was the panel. Uh, you can text us on 8833 uh, and give us your thoughts on, uh, on Laurel, of course, um, on what you think has been our best moment so far. Uh, I almost clean forgot about the tennis, but they, they created history. They absolutely created history, those boys, and they deserve all the plaudits they can get. So 8833-0800-150811 is the phone number. And, of course, you could be caller of the month. And if you are, you'll win an All Blacks experience thanks to Ballpark Entertainment just by calling up. And uh, that'll be announced by Baz and Izzy on one of their shows uh, forthcoming. Forthcoming for us uh, is a chance to uh, talk about a bit of racing and a bit of punting, uh, and that's uh, still to come before 11 o'clock. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 10.46 here. Uh, congratulations on the golf yesterday. I had a fantastic one at golf, just by the by, folks. Uh, played uh, some pretty good golf, to be fair. Um, but uh, on another note, Louis says, uh, how good was it to see the Warriors win? Not the best game from either team, but so good to do the job, get the job done. I, I thought it was embarrassing RTS as captain asked to leave and leave his team in the lurch. Also embarrassing the club allowed it. Says a lot about his character, but a great win. Enjoy the week and enjoy the beers. Well, yep, it started and so have they. Uh, Smithy, please don't forget the event jumping, uh, the, uh, the show jumping eventing today. Of course, uh, very, very much, very much in contention there. Uh, looking forward to uh, a possibility of another medal, and, and that uh, is courtesy of Tim Price, who at the moment is fourth equal overall. Uh, Janelle Price's wife is twelfth, and Jesse Campbell, who had problems in the uh, cross country, uh, New Zealand are fourth uh, also in the team standing. So uh, a real possibility that uh, something might eventuate that's good there. Uh, loving the panel, Smitty. What time does Lisa go? Uh, the K1 200 today. I can tell you. That uh, Lulu, uh, that uh, Lisa goes at uh, 12.58, according to us. 12.58 uh, this afternoon for Lisa Carrington. And let's not forget, also, um, we've got other canoe sprinters in action. Alicia Hoskin, Tanil Hutt-Hatton, and uh, Caitlin Regal as well, flying the flag for New Zealand there. So, uh, yep, thanks for your text, Lulu. Uh, again, we need to attack the rules, not the gender X. If she doesn't win a medal, we're talking about Laurel, of course, the conversation will be over if she wins a medal, and I believe there will be a rule change as a can of worms will open up. End of the day, she is representing New Zealand, and let's not forget that. Uh, Zaid from Auckland uh, has called uh, in this morning. Zaid, what's on your mind, the Olympics? Uh, 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 yeah, but I want to get through a, a conversation first about um, rugby, yep. right? And... Um, my thing is, you know how Twickenham's England's national stadium? What about Eden Park being New Zealand's national rugby stadium? 
Well, I think Zeta that it probably is unofficially without being given that tag. It's the Garden of Eden. I mean, it, it's the one that uh, we do host our major, major rugby uh, events because, because it, it is the biggest stadium the in the country. Income. Yep, it is. But, and and but it derives the best income, the, and that's what it's all about, Zade. But getting on to the Olympics, how, how incredible yep. was Venus and Daniels, the women's eight, silver, men's eight, gold, um, the, 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 um, uh, shot pot yesterday. That's so good to see um, Madison um, Lee Wishy um, doing pretty well from Auckland, only 22 years old, and just Val just getting another medal, you know. And I'm looking forward to Lisa Carrington getting back in that boat today at one o'clock. Definitely be tuning in on TV. Hopefully, we can get some more medals in that as usual. Absolutely, Zade. Hey, thanks so much for your call, mate. I appreciate that. Echo all those thorn- uh, those sentiments. Uh, yeah, uh, it was Madison really did receive the baton, I think, from uh, Dame Val. But who's to say Dame Val is, is finished? I haven't heard anything coming out of the camp there. Um, I mean, that just might uh, have wet her appetite even more uh, to continue on for world championships and things. And, of course, Paris, let's not forget, is only three years away, not four. That's interesting. Very interesting indeed. Louis Herman Watt, Paul Mawadi from the TAB shortly. The voice of sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. And they were all neighing yesterday morning, all the horses, Louis Herman. What? Because they're all a year older. And a new season begins, my friend. Smithy, it does indeed. It's the dawn of a new season for all those lovely thoroughbreds. They all wake up a year older today, no matter when they were actually born. That's the thoroughbred birthday, isn't it? Uh, The 1st of August. And a new season means futures markets, Ian. And we have some to look at. In particular, one that will be very close to your heart, which is the Tarzino Trophy down in the Hawks Mm. Bay there. Do you usually get along to Tarzino Trophy Day? Well, I try to go all three days. Sometimes my Sky Rugby commitments don't permit that, but certainly uh, I try to get to Sarzino uh, uh, the first day, uh, and I'm certainly, I'm certainly, I've booked the last day this time around. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yep, so, day too. Yep, that's right. So we've got the 1400 Tarzino Trophy into the Windsor Park Plate, which is the mile race, up to the 2000 metre Livermore Classic, and the Tarzino Trophy futures are out. Avon Taj, who kind of gets a clean run of it this year without the big sister Melody Bell coming in from the Tiakal barn to give her a run for her money. She starts, but she's short in the futures market, $2.80. So you have to be pretty confident she's going to be able to hold her form because you've got horses on the second line of betting like Catalyst at $5, then Aegon at $5.50, who will be going. And the horse I want to throw at you, Smithy, is Dragon Leap. Now, this is the Wexford Stables runner that ended up mm. going pretty good in the derby, but not quite two years ago. Went to Australia. I even think they might have taken it to Hong Kong or or definitely tried it in Australia, but it's back here. Andrew Scott told Mick and me on Saturday morning that pretty versatile horse, and they reckon it's a genuine chance, and, and you'd absolutely hope so. It's $7 in the futures market for a horse we haven't seen a lot of. Pretty surprising, but, you know, the bookies, are they've got their wits about them this time. They have. Uh, we're going to go to one very shortly in Paul Mawadi. But just finally, uh, we're looking at the Tangerine Army again this season, Louis. Yeah, they'll be unstoppable. 
they've just got the horsepower and like no pun intended just genuinely that's what I mean they have the horsepower they've got the grunt they've got the stars and they've got the trainer and the jockeys to do it so it'll be another tangerine year in the premierships but that doesn't mean people can't have fun elsewhere and every dog has their day as they say Smithy so don't worry all those other trainers will get get their wins along the way but Tiakau will be dominant 11.02 here on SENZ. Busy hour coming up before midday. Going to be talking to uh, proud father Kafina Woodman um, towards uh, the midday break. And then Dale Stevenson prior to that, of course, coach of uh, Dame Val Adams and Tom Walsh amongst others. So exciting time for Dale Stevenson. And uh, we'll review that performance and look forward to uh, the man from uh, the South Island, Tom Walsh, in action very, very shortly. Understand he's arrived in the village and rearing to go. Also rearing to go in his normal slot here is uh, the host of SEN Sydney Breakfast with Vossie. Uh, fortunately, he's got time for mornings with Ian Smith uh, to discuss the NRL. Vossie, uh, have you got some sort of way out theory that the NRL final could be shifted the, to uh, these shores? Ah, well, good morning, uh, Smithy. Yeah, just come off air from our breakfast show this morning. And look, I floated it after 7 o'clock this morning. Um, I have a segment called The Verdict, Vossie's Verdict, and... I just I, look. I don't envy the role of our administrators in sport, any sport, not just NRL, but what they're dealing with disruption. But at the moment, one of the things on the plate for the NRL is where do we lock in our grand final? Um, and you want to play first and foremost. They want to play before fans, so they want to play at the biggest stadium possibly. Sydney will be off the off the chart, so it's not a consideration. Um, Brisbane was at the hottest of favourites. But then the events of Saturday, where they can go into you know, such a snap lockdown, makes you think, well, hang on. Now, Melbourne's in the picture. But remember, Melbourne was due to have the first State of Origin game this year. No city in Australia has been in more lockdowns than Melbourne. How can you, how can you lock in anything? Eight weeks, nine weeks out from a grand final. Well, it's yeah, nine, nine and a half weeks out. You want to sell tickets? I mean, I think, I think if you can arrange... The fact that the Wallabies are over there, and that was allowed. The, the government, you know, came up with a way. But if you sat down with the New Zealand government, whoever the representatives are, and said, look, we want to lock in the grand final. We want to reward rugby league fans in New Zealand. You get our biggest NRL event this year. I reckon, you, you tell me, Smithy, if the tickets went on sale today, would they be all sold by lunchtime? Would you have to play at Eden Park grand final and, and have some certainty around it? Yeah, I'm not saying they'd be sold by lunchtime, but I think they'd sell out over a period of time, particularly if you had that warning, Vossi. And, and let's not forget the reason the Wallabies are in town is because they were granted an economic exemption. Uh, and what you're talking about, what you've outlined there, is, is, is principally about um, making what you can, and that means financially as well, out of your biggest stage of all, your biggest event of all. So uh, if they could get through the logistics of it, if they could come to terms with it, and they've got a bit of time to work it out, surely, uh, I don't see it as an outright non-possibility, put it that way. Well, I, I just think, you know, that we've become very good at working around bubbles and what have you, but mm. I, I think we're in a point now that the players, um, regardless of even if there were no tests in Queensland, I think they're going to be in a strict bubble through until the rest of the season. You just you can't have the prospect of what happened on Saturday coming up again. Um, and that, unfortunately, was just two days after the players had been released from the latest bubble. So suddenly they were allowed walking the streets and then had to bolt back inside, basically, to their hotel room. Penrith just left all their gear on the training field. They were told, they were told you just got to go back. So I think they're going to be in a bubble. So that would tick a box, I would think. I mean, I'm putting the cart before the horse a little here, but I would think that at least would tick a box if they've been in the strictest of quarantines over here while they've played. 
that when we get to grand final week, the two teams that are involved, it's basically a fly-in, fly-out arrangement. So, you know, they'd fly over on the Monday or the Tuesday, and, and as soon as the game's over, they'd be on their way out again. But in the meantime, at least you could sell, promote, corporate-wise, attract, you know, uh, and, and there would be some certainty. Whereas if the league today was in any position to announce, right, we're going to play, you know, hypothetically, we're going to play at the MCG. How could you buy a ticket with confidence knowing that you'll be able to turn up? Mm, absolutely right. Oh, we know, uh, and I fully endorse your, your theory and your thoughts on, on the grand final as well. Hey, hey look, we know uh, it certainly would sell out if the Warriors winner, that we know that's not going to be a possibility. But how about them Warriors? They eh? just when you, they lose their, their superstar, their kingpin, another player as well, they front up and knock over Wests. Goodness me. Oh, well, it was. I mean, that sort of effort that was put in, and it was evidenced a few weeks ago as well. <laughs> on effort, you win far more games than you lose. Um, if you, and that's just on effort. Now, I know they were playing the Tigers' side, and boy, there were some embarrassing uh, moments for the Tigers in that game. But, you know, the Warriors had no right to win and found the way and came back from behind. So, you know, ticked a lot of boxes there, the Warriors. But when sometimes when I'm watching a performance like that where there is effort, um, I, if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm probably thinking, am I actually happy or am I actually frustrated? You're like, you're thinking, boys, you know, why couldn't this happen on a more regular basis? Why didn't this happen, you know, when, you know, close matches earlier this year? Sometimes it can be a win late in the season where you're, where you find a way and you, you grit it out and tough it out, that can also be frustrating for fans because they think, well, what if we had done that on those two or three other close games where the game was on the line and we didn't find a way? Bossy, uh, look, it's a, it's a very much an elongated weekend of uh, the NRL. In fact, there's two games uh, scheduled for tonight as well. Uh, what do we read into the results, though? Can we read too much into the Storm 37, the Panthers 10, or is that a bit of a blight considering circumstances. Yeah, I don't think we learned anything new. We know how good Melbourne are. Um, I, I find itself, look, I do a segment on Monday with Cameron Smith. I mean, I, don't, I haven't built up the courage yet to say, Cameron, I think Melbourne's a better side without you. <laughs> like, I never thought I'd, I'd be in that position, but I think Melbourne is a more <laughs> lethal side this year without Cameron Smith. But it's not because Cameron's not there that they've become a better side. It's other players are better. You know, they've, they've just become better and uh, and, and their star players are still superstars. You know, watching Jesse Bromwich do his thing yesterday and uh, he's our fourth all-time on the Melbourne games list. What a, what a career for Jesse Bromwich. And, you know, uh, Nico Hines is playing out of his skin and Brandon Smith now is better than he's ever been. So, but, but you know, they are better than last year and they beat Penrith last year. So Penrith have to get all their troops back fit and healthy, which they didn't have yesterday. Then we can make a a clear judgment. But at the moment, if they're both fit and healthy, I still have Melbourne winning, but it would be far closer than yesterday's 37-10 to 10 result. Well, the Eels, were, the Eels, believe it or not, were favourites uh, against the Roosters on our TAB. Uh, that hurt a lot of multis, I can promise you, over the weekend. They got blanked by the Roosters, 28-0. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they, they got real issues because that was the first of... Uh, they got, they're going to play, man, not maybe not in this order, but they've got Manly, South, Melbourne and Penrith still to come in the five rounds before the final. Like, they've got a horrific draw. And I would have thought of the teams I would have played, the Roosters might have been their best chance and they've been wiped out, you know, donut, 28-0. So, now I fear for Parramatta. Um, you know, they can drop out of the top four and, and not get back in between now and the finals. On the other hand, if they were to suddenly turn a corner and beat, 
you know, three of the four sides, you're, you're talking about them as a contender. But, look, they just... Yeah, the question mark is on their attack in big games. They fail to score points. That then puts, you know, pressure on their defence. We've been there before, and uh, it would appear the 2021 model of the yield, nothing has changed, sadly for them. Rabbitohs 50, Dragons 14. Rabbits second equal on the table now with the Panthers two points behind the storm. Uh, man, are we looking at a resurgent Rabbitohs here and a real yeah. possibility at the pointy end of the season? Oh, well, look, Rabbitohs are proving they can score. Just, they, they just score points for fun, don't they? I mean, Latrell Mitchell, how good. Cody Walker, how good. Then you throw in the likes of Damien Cook, Adam Reynolds. So, you know, there's a, a pretty good spine at South Sydney, as good as any in the competition. Um, definitely a threat. Got a 71-year-old called Wayne Bennett, who's the coach. He knows a bit about winning premierships. So they are to be feared. They are to be feared. I said, I said pre-season... The last game of the year would be the same as the first game of the season. It would be Melbourne South, um, even though I've got massive respect for Penrith. I'm going to stick with my pre-season hunch. And I'm going to say um, South Sydney get to the grand final day against Melbourne. Uh, you know, some of these results are just bigger belief, to be fair. But tonight you've got uh, the Titans uh, hosting the Bulldogs. You'd, you'd think that's Titans, uh, on, but you just don't know. I mean, and the nah. Eagles are the hottest of favourites to beat the Sharks. You just can't read anything into this stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. It's been, it's been tough time for tipsters. And, and what you know, became tougher was when we took home ground advantage at. You, you normally get to this end of the season and a game that you're in doubt, you go, oh, well, no, we'll go home ground advantage, go to the home side. And history will tell you that most often that, that's the best way to go. But without the home ground advantage, they're playing empty stadium, Suncorp Stadium. You know, it's just gone, it's gone to God. That, that, that's part of uh, your analysis. So tonight, look, I'm tipping Titans manly double, but... I've been pretty underwhelmed with the Titans. Like the gap between their best and their worst is massive. It's massive. Um, so I think they've been pretty underwhelming this year. The Titans, mainly you would expect with Tommy Turbo and uh, Daly Cherry Evans on deck would be too strong for Cronulla. But I'm not totally dismissing the Sharks either. Uh, pretty good game to finish the round, actually. Monday night football. Let's bring it back. Let's have Monday night football again. I love it. Yeah, I love it. You've got a uh, possibility of uh, four nights of NRL in a row. Um, and what league or what sports fan would uh, deny that? Fossey, put your breakfast hat back on just briefly, uh, because I'm sure, um, apart from league, uh, the Olympics is very much a theme on, on your show, as it is on this side of the yep. Tasman. We're trumpeting uh, the performance of some of our athletes to this point. Uh, what about uh, for Australia? They've had some pretty successful days. Oh, well, yesterday was actually our most successful in Olympic history, um, winning four gold medals on, uh, on one day. Um, so that, that was you know, quite, quite incredible. Uh, and, and it's even more amazing. We're, we're trying to come up with, you know, in previous times you've had ticket take parades when you come back. How inventive can we get? What do we do to honour our Olympians and our, and our team at the end of their two weeks? What are we going to do? Are we just going to stand at the edge of our driveway Right, you know, waving flags. I mean, we can't have a ticker tape parade of any kind anywhere in Australia at the moment. So, no, I've been, I would say these games, you tell me if I'm wrong, Smithy, but um, I just think we've all, because we're in lockdown here, the emotion, I reckon these are a more emotional games than I've ever witnessed. You know, I've, I've witnessed things at these games that I haven't felt previously. And I know we're having success, but it's not just the gold moments that have really moved me. And I mean, you know, the, the men's 100, the, the high jump, all those sorts of things that we saw just in the last 24 hours. I think these games are, they might be the best ever for emotion. Have I got that wrong or is it all just a build-up of 
you know, appreciating the fact their family and friends aren't there and, you know, what we've been through and they're a year delayed and all those sorts of things. But I'm lapping it up. I mean, I'm finding myself crying watching the Olympics. Well, I've shed a tear. I promise you that for a couple of New Zealand performances. Uh, unashamedly, I, I would admit that. And, and you know that the most th- amazing thing about it, Vossi, for me is that usually emotion is driven by atmosphere. Uh, and that is driven by fans. Good point. And they bring Good out... Point. They bring out the atmosphere. So I don't know whether they've all got together and said, we've got to make our own emotion about this because the fans can't do this. But I am totally with you. I've never seen emotion, I don't think, at the end of that men's high jump. Uh, you got an Italian guy rolling around uh, on the yeah. track as if he's pulled both <laughs> hamstrings. Uh, it's just yeah. while well, the other blokes in the grandstand getting cuddled by whatever people are in his, uh, in his entourage. It, uh, I mean, that's just one of, of so many. Of so many brilliant moments. Hey, Smithy, can I be just on that? Just on that. I did see a post on social media saying, you realise how high these blokes jump? And a bloke's done a video where he's standing on a stool and then he's reaching up high and he's got a stepladder beside. Smithy, what hope? What would you need to get, what, 2.39 metres above the ground? What would you need? Big ladder. Big ladder, <laughs> Big ladder yeah. mate. And a stick. And it's a, and Vossi, a sturdy one as well, to be fair. Hey, yes. just before we let you go, <laughs> just before we let you go, finally, uh, my producer, John Day, has just slipped me a message to, Shane, to say that Shane Ward has COVID. Is that yes, true? Yes, he does. He does, yes, it is true. Um, uh, he's over there for, what, the uh, Cricket 100. He was one of the coaches of the teams over there. Mm. And uh, overnight has revealed that he has um, tested positive to COVID. I assume it is the... Delta variant. Um, so we wish Shane well. I think on a vaccination front, I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't know. Um, but I would have thought with his travels, he would have been vaccinated somewhere along the line or might have been a condition. But um, there you go. Shane Warne has COVID. Uh, I also read it, did not across the story, Lewis Hamilton overnight. Did you see what he said at the Hungarian Grand Prix? He believes he's still suffering lingering effects from having COVID back in December last year. The seven months on, dizziness, headaches and fatigue are all still part of his... Um, day-to-day life, so um, not good, not good at all. No, well, uh, if I thought that COVID would be scared of any person in particular, I would have thought COVID would be scared of Shane Bond, uh, Shane Warne, Shane Bond, Shane Warne, Uh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, Vossi, thanks so much for your time. Um, Man, coming straight out of his breakfast show into our morning show, he's a busy man and a very valued member of the SEN group as well, and uh, SENZ Bound as well uh, for us. On Mondays to review the NRL, getting very, very interesting indeed. And what about the theory they could play the grand final at Eden Park? Hmm, not sure. Uh, coming up, uh, Dale Stevenson, uh, uh, coach, famed coach, of course, of Dame Val Adams and Tom Walsh, uh, amongst others. Uh, and also, really looking forward to talking to Carfena Woodman uh, before midday as well. What a proud dad he must be. And here she is. Hello. Can she respond? Can she go from bronze up? She looks happy. Is that with the bronze? Or is that because she thinks the throw is going further? I think she's just celebrating what it means to claim another Olympic medal. Good for her at the age of 36 years old. She's been an extraordinary ambassador for New Zealand, for the shot port, for the world of athletics. Magnificent career and yet now another Olympic medal. Yeah, Val Adams, Dame Val Adams, and there was uh, some tears last night in New Zealand very, very late, and I'm pretty sure there would have been some tears uh, in 
that stadium in Tokyo, uh, joined by Dale Stevenson, who was good enough to, to join us. He was with us as we previewed the event on Friday, and now we can look back at it with fondness. Uh, Morena, Dale, you must be a very proud and happy man. Morena, Smithy, yeah. It's uh, uh, proud and happy is uh, an, an apt capturing of, uh, of where things are at here, and um, that was a, was a pretty meaningful culmination yesterday for, for Dame Val. Yeah, let, let's talk uh, through it because, um, you know, the <coughs> it was a bit of a battle. Uh, the, the first time, I mean, she was going to qualify anywhere with the distances, but it, it took her three throws to actually beat the qualifying mark. Um, at, at that stage, what, what were you talking about going into the final? What were you working on? There were some technical things we needed to tidy up. Uh, she was lost her shape a little bit uh, in competition, and, and for Valerie, especially now, she needs to put herself physically put herself in in a position in the ring where she can apply force because she's she's once she loses her shape if she gets a little impatient what we what we call impatient then she loses all the tension on the throw and because she's so strong uh with a with a 4k 4kg shot which sounds really heavy but if you lose time on the implement you can't push on it you don't get any snap and it becomes a push rather than a snap and uh, that was what we started to see in qualifying, and she knows that in real time. And it's one thing knowing it; it's another thing dealing with it, uh, with with nerves and pressure and um, qualifying standards and all that kind of thing. So it was pretty gritty uh, to get through the, the qualifying round. We, we kept things pretty calm, and um, but that by far wasn't uh, wasn't her best showing technically. And then managed to, to tidy it up a little bit for the final. Um, and yeah, that's that's the difference of a you know a, a meter at least, which is the difference between missing the missing the top eight or missing the top twelve and um, and being in the middle. So, yeah, credit to Val for making those adjustments overnight. Um, and yeah, she was. Uh, there's so many variables here with with times of day. I mean, it was a late night qualifying and early morning final. So uh, you've got all those kind of things too. Fortunately, I think the the window between the qualifying round and the final was was just enough to breathe out and recharge, but not enough to overthink it. And before we knew it, we were straight back into it again yesterday morning. Uh, Dale, the bronze clearly, uh, you know, bronze, silver, gold, that's the way it's ranked. Um, but it appeared from this far away as if this bronze medal was almost gold-like uh, for Dame Val uh, after what she's been through. And, and it, you know, the celebrations seem to, to almost match that as well. Yeah, that's... Undoubtedly, that is the case. Um, this one, without trying to put more cliches on top of cliches, the the journey for for Val um, and and she's I sent her a message late last night that she's been pretty meaningful to do it the do it the tough way. It's been a really bumpy road, and um, to get on the podium uh, was it, it felt like a goal to her and, and to me and. Um, not because of the colour of the medal, but because of the, the quality of the journey and the quality of the person and the quality of the growth um, was gold medal level, gold medal worthy. And um, I think there's a there's a mantra in that for everyone um, to, to take away. And I guess the other the other reality is that if we'd really lined things up yesterday and and had a perfect day, I think silver might have been within reach, uh, would have been within reach. But uh, the Chinese girl uh, who who won the event 
um, was a deserved winner. Uh, 20 metres 50 on the in the Olympic final to throw a personal best there. Um, she's she's a pretty seasoned athlete herself, and she hasn't come from nowhere. She's been around for a while and a, a world class rival of Val. So uh, we kind of tip our tip our hat to her, and um, realistically, Val, Val managed to fight off the uh, the handful of other girls who who were capable of of getting on the podium, and uh, only narrowly the the Portuguese. Um, Portuguese representative there in the final was only just hot hot on Val's tail and um, we had a few nervous moments as she was taking her last throw because uh, yeah she's she's thrown around the same distances as Val and um, yeah for, for for her to for Val to fight them off is um, yeah as I said it, it does feel like a gold. Just one word answer. Um, we're getting texts and messages coming into the station. Has Dame Val retired or are the commentators making their own call? Uh, if I've got to give a one-word answer, the answer is no. Um, she hasn't retired. Uh, the caveat on that is it's her decision to make. Um, and, mm. yeah, she's she's asked to... Um, to at, at the moment, when, you, when you're in this state and, and in this place and, and getting ready for such a pinnacle event, uh, emotions run high um, and making longitudinal decisions that, that have such a profound impact on life um, it, it's often not the best place to to, to make those kind of calls. Um, mm-hmm. So she she made that um, made that judgment call, and I think it's a wise one to just to put that one on the back burner, put that decision on the back burner until all this is settled and and she's a little more clear on on what her life trajectory might look like when she's still got to switch straight into coach mode and um, and go and support her sister through to the Paralympics. Get home, get through MIQ, sit down with her family, and, and once she's got her feet back on the ground in Auckland, then uh, I think that's going to be a better time for for her to make that judgment call. But yeah, to, to answer your question, it's a good question, and it's certainly a topical one. Um, right now, the answer is no; she she hasn't retired. That's fantastic news, actually. Uh, uh, Tom Tom Walsh is in the village. He's uh, getting ready to be primed for a, a a big performance. Also, what are you seeing in Tom at, at this early stage? Yeah, he is in the village. I um I swung straight. We got in yesterday. I, I swung straight back from from Valerie's event, post event. Caught her really briefly, and then got on the bus back and and had lunch with Tom to settle him in and showed him around. Gave him a quick ticky tour of the village, and and uh, he's he's seeing our physiotherapist as we speak. And uh, we'll be we'll get stuck into training uh, in the next hour or so uh, ahead of qualifying tomorrow night. Tom's in really good shape, uh, the best shape he's been in his life, and um. Uh, it's now just putting the real finishing touches on. Um, it's not, you know, we're not baking any cakes here. The icing's on it. The the garnishing's on it. The the icing sugar's dusted over the garnishing. It's it's just <laughs> making sure we're fit and ready to go and um, get to the call room on time tomorrow. Because yeah, he's he's been sitting in the our pre-camp for the last week and a half in in the south of Japan and um, it's watching everyone else compete and getting pretty itchy feet so uh, now, now it's time for goals to, to roll out and, and uh, carry on the momentum for Team New Zealand Dale Stevenson thanks very much for your time uh, we wish Tom Walsh all the best and uh, let's hope another medal on the way it's, as you say he's in the best shape of uh, he's ever been in uh, just for information uh, folks uh, Madison Lee West who finished 6th is trained by Walter Gill 
since she was 11. Walter Gill, well-known uh, <coughs> sportsman on the North Shore, uh, Jacko Gill's father, and we know what Jacko Gill's like in terms of uh, throwing the shot foot. So interesting fact there. Thanks uh, very much to Mr Gundry for letting me know that. Um, every time uh, you guys give me some information, it, it helps my cause, and I'm learning, learning by the day. Uh, look, you can stump me if you like. Have a crack uh, after the news. Stump me, ring 0800 150 811 and you can be a winner of some TAB vouchers to increase your wealth. Um, but you'll need a wealth of knowledge to do it. Here's the news with Trudy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. He certainly is top class at his job. He is a multi-winner. He's two from ten, 20% Smithy with the multis and going pretty well on Stumped by Smithy too. And this morning we've got... Steve from New Plymouth. G'day, Steve. G'day, how do you Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, you know how it works. Three sports, you choose one, then you get three questions right, you win a $50 TAB voucher. You ready to go? Yeah, sure. You beauty. All right. Rugby league, cricket, or netball? What have you got? I'll have to go for cricket. I'll be up against it, though, I'd say. Yeah, I think you might be too, but hey, give it a shot. Who knows? Well, let's get it started. All right, first cricket question. Steve from New Plymouth. Who won the first two men's cricket 50 over World Cups? Sorry, can you just repeat that again? Who won the first two men's cricket 50 over World Cups? I'll give you a clue. The first one was in 1975. Okay, the first two, that's way back. Um, I'll go with the knee. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well done. Well done, Steve. Smithy, you would have known that. Mikey Holding, how good's that? Yeah, Michael Holding, one of the greats. Sir Vivian Richards just killed it those first two World Cups. He was just incredible. All right, question number two. Where are the White Ferns ranked in women's ODI cricket? Where are they ranked? Yep. Um, I'd say... Third. One of the worst things... I have ever seen on a cricket field. No, Richie Beno doesn't agree. Smithy, where are the White Ferns ranked in ODI cricket? A chance for a stumping. Well, actually, their record has been abysmal, John, as you well know. Um, they've lost, I think, 15 of the last 17 in the white ball form of the game. They don't play red ball, but they want to. Uh, it's another debate. I'm going to say... I'm going to say fifth. You're exactly right, Smithy. Fifth behind India, South Africa, England and Australia, which means, Steve, you have been stumped, unfortunately, but... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, well catch done, you next time, mate. We do have Chris waiting on line two, and Chris, you're lucky. You're going to stay with cricket, and you just get one question right, and you will win that $50 TAB voucher. Now that, right Yeah, not too bad, is it? So, <laughs> here Could is the question. Billion? How many New Zealanders have taken test match hat-tricks? Two. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, 
right in the slot and away it goes. That wasn't a guess, was it Chris? Surely not. Uh, Jimmy Franklin and Petherick, isn't it? You have absolutely nailed that. Yep, Peter Petherick and Jimmy Franklin. Two. Nailed it. So well done, Chris. You got yourself a $50 TAB voucher. Oh, that's beauty because Smithy's multi's been bleeding my account dry until the weekend, so they'll come in handy. Oh, come on. What, did you get on his Friday one worth five bucks? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, there you go. A little bit of payback, and now you've got 50 bucks yeah. in your account if you hang on the line and give us your details. Yep. Beauty. Thanks, guys. Excellent. All right, Smithy, there we go. Not a bad wee uh, morning for you. We stumping there, and we have a winner as well. Yeah, everyone's a winner, uh, JD. Everyone's a winner. Confidence booster uh, all around. So, yep, exciting, exciting news. Um, also, of course, uh, that was good from Dale Stevenson to tell us, according to him, and he should know, uh, Val Adams is uh, not retiring, not retiring. So uh, that's good to, to gain, glean that information this morning. Um, yeah, uh, we've got uh, Carfina Woodman coming up very shortly. Carfina Woodman, amongst other achievements in life, is the dad of Portia Woodman. Looking forward to talking rugby sevens and just how special his daughter really is for the game and uh, for life in general. She's a great role, role model. Kafina Woodman very shortly. She did that with netball and then um, got an opportunity to um, be part of the Go For Gold um, leading up to the 2016 Olympics. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, for, for myself and my wife um, and, and us wider whanau from up north. Um, we were just so excited that um, here's someone being able to do something that's her dream and she carries the um, expectation and the love of the, of her wider whanau from um, Taitukara um, and, and happy to do that. Um, you know, we're, we're really excited. She, you know, um, she was in did athletics until she was 18, you know, so that put her in good stead for for um, being a really strong ball carrier. Um, but wanting to kind of just say, actually, how, how far can I go with this? What do I need to do? And um, the, the team, their coaching team and staff have done a really good job over the time with all of the girls, giving them that opportunity to strengthen the, the natural skills they have and grow it into a team team game. Um, you know, it's just been fantastic. I've never seen, I don't think, a more team team than this because uh, their fellowship, uh, you know, the, the, the feeling they have together, it, it oozes from the moment you really you see them. Uh, I was lucky enough to be alongside uh, their workouts at Eden Park against Australia when uh, they were building up and it's been a pretty tough build-up because they haven't been able to play the games they wanted because of COVID, etc. Uh, Kafina, but what I what I get from that team as I as I saw them build up was a a, a bond. Look, it's not witnessed that often. Yeah, um, you know, um, Portia and Sarah, Kelly, Tyler, um, Ruby um, have been part of the initial program and have come through. And, and that, that's been their aspiration to have a team. Um, and I, I totally support Sarah's um, corridor um, interview the other day. Um, yeah, champions are, are good people too. And I think that that's a culture of um, the Blackburn Sevens that's been, you know, um, sits really nicely with me. Um, you know, um, 
and and obviously, you know, Porsche Porsche was a, a strong advocate for that, um, welcoming for any players that come along, and they're wanting to be part of the the Blackfern Sevens program. Um, Alan and Corey um, did a fantastic job to grow that to make that work um, for the team um, over the last five years, and yeah, it's been a little while, but you know. Um, uh, good things take a little bit of time, and um, we, we're we're really happy where things are at. And you know, um, given our time with them um, at Rio, um, and yep, we were we were scheduled to be in Tokyo. Um, COVID COVID mm. stopped that, so but that still that was something that we we wanted to be all together on Saturday and um, watch watch the game and the girls. Um, Managed to make that massive step, so that's been really cool. Okay, Kafina Woodman, uh, she's had so many wonderful achievements, uh, your daughter Portia, and her rugby career thus far. Uh, you've had many cause to celebrate. How are you actually going to celebrate this one when uh, when she gets home and you're you're all back together as as a whanau in particular? Oh my God, um, I haven't. We we we. Um, <clears throat> we were together at um, Ohio Rugby Club on the weekend, and everyone was saying, "Okay, so when is Booster coming back, and when are the Blackburns going to be, be, be able to? When are we able to catch up with them?" And so we're kind of running with that program for the Blackburns, and I guess the New Zealand Olympic team um, when they came back from um, Rio, there was a parade, and perhaps there may be something like that. But we, we're keen to have something for. Um, her wider whanau up north. Um, haven't talked to Portia yet about that, but um, I, I, she may hear it um, <laughs> now. Carfina, <laughs> uh, hey, listen, thank you so much for making some uh, some time available for us this morning. I can hear the pride, I can hear the happiness in your voice, and uh, <clears throat> good on you. Uh, good on you um, to your whanau, um, and thank you very much for your time this morning. It's uh, It's a wonderful time. Uh, even for those that haven't got family in the team, we uh, are celebrating in at big time. Right, uh, coming up before midday, uh, Staffy. Uh, I'm sure he took a, a lot of pride. He's a lovely, uh, a lovely man in, in terms of <coughs> his support of sport in this country and the way he has, uh, he has been involved with it in his own right. So I'm sure he's uh, oozing a bit of pride and that, that'll come through in his show this afternoon between 12 and 4. Right, uh, we'll take a short break. Uh, might have a chance for... Uh, hold it here, John, there's one for you, mate. I think the first two World Cups were 60 overs. John, Cricket World Cups. The Stumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, coming up 11.58 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Just about over, actually, and just enough time to... Uh, to link in with the man taking over at uh, midday, Mark Stafford. I'm sure a very proud Kiwi of what you witnessed over the weekend. Yeah, some emotional times. Smithy, as you know, I know a lot of the Blackfern Sevens girls very well and have done so for quite some time. And I was lucky enough to be in the uh, TVNZ Olympics studio uh, and Niall Williams was in there, such an integral part of the pathway that the Blackferns have been on over a number of years. And, of course, she was injured out of the Olympics merely days before they left Townsville to go up to Tokyo and just being in her presence and seeing how much it meant to her and her singing the anthem and um, doing the haka 
while the team in victory were. She was right there with them. And I can tell you what, Smithy, uh, not a dry eye in the studio as we all shared in that moment and really privileged to share in the moment with Niall Williams. That is a fascinating story, Steph. Uh, um, look, hey, and one of your other great mates uh, going for gold, sailing for gold this afternoon. You've had a bit of contact with Blair Took. Uh, they're a chance. Yeah, they are a big chance. And, of course, double points going into the final heat, the, the medal race. And the thing that astounds me with them, Swithy, there's so many equalising factors in those little boats with the shifty winds and their floppy sails and their horrible sea states. And But they just keep getting it done. I mean, they are... They are just incredible how they just carry on winning. And think about how long they've had out of that model boat. Um, and then they just get back in and they're right in the hunt again. They astound me, those two. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, Mark Stafford between 12 and 4. Staffy, look forward to that. I have uh, on reasonably good authority that you might, you might have a wonderful interview sometime in the first hour. We don't know, and I'm not going to put any names to it. I think it's worth uh, listening to Mark Stafford for us throughout the whole four hours as well. Because he is connected. We just heard that. He is connected. Uh, Look, it's been a great show this morning. Really love talking to all the people, and I thank them for being part of it. Brian, outstanding again. JD, until you got the World Cup wrong, uh, you are very, very good, Trudy. The all-new SCNZ. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.